Well, I hope that you have had a good week and that uh, you are here, again, prepared, ready to open your heart to what God will speak to you today. Um, we've been going through this series the last few weeks called A Church in Action. And, you know, we started off, again, it's all about working our way through the first few chapters of the book of Acts. And when we started off, we talked about the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember the Holy Spirit? All right, well, hopefully you remember about the Holy Spirit. And the point is, is that if we are to be a church in action, first of all, we've got to be about understanding and feeling the Holy Spirit, seeking out the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because ideally, if, if we're going to go do something, we, we want to go where the way has already been paved for us. You know, if you're driving down the road, it's a lot better driving on a paved road, right, than, than make, kind of making your own way. And unfortunately, way too many people, way too many churches even, are trying to beat their own path and make their own way. But you see, if the Holy Spirit has gone on ahead of us, He's already paved the way, and, and that's the way that we need to go to be a church in action and to be successful as a church in action. Then we talked about uh, speaking boldly. We talked about having bold speech, and that is the fact that if we believe that we are a church in action and we believe in the Holy Spirit and we believe that He's paved the way, then that means we need to be prepared to speak the words that uh, God has given us. And sometimes those words may seem bold because they go against what the world tells us is happening or the world tells us that's popular the world tells us that's cool and, and so sometimes it means we need to step up and be able to speak boldly about what God has done in our lives what God is doing and about the good news of Jesus Christ and then we talked about being uh, in one heart and one soul because again if we're to be a church in action if we're to go forward and to make a difference it's about all of us coming together one Hope Community Church coming together as a church, but then being a part of the bigger community, the big C church, the, the body of Christ, and that we all work together in unity. And, and certainly our country needs to see more unity today, and we as a church can give them a great example of what it means to stand up in Christ and be unified for a purpose. Last week we talked about obeying God, you know, when God is telling us to do something, how we need to act, and we need to act promptly listen to what the spirit is speaking to us and then go do it you know sometimes we hear it and and we're we're so afraid to step out and do some of the other things like speak boldly that we hear it and we go mm, I don't think that's me you're talking to I'm not sure that that I'm the one for the job that you're trying to call me to <clears throat> but God has picked you out for a purpose and he has a plan for you he has a plan for us as a church and so we need to be prepared to obey. Today, we're going to take that to the next level, kind of obeying and <clears throat> really all of the other things. That's this idea of proclaiming the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we are here as a body of believers and we're doing all of these other things, what are we all about? You know, the ministry and, and taking care of one another, it's important. Getting together as a body of Christ and worshiping the name of Jesus, it's important. Praying for one another, it's important having fellowship, getting to know, and not just know people, but investing in their lives. It's important. I mean, isn't it, isn't it awesome to know that if you have a need, that all you have to do is put it out there, let some people know, call some people, and you've got a faith family that will gather around you and support you and love you. That's awesome, isn't it? Amen. And that's a huge part of who we are as a faith family and as part of this church. But why do we do such things? Why do we love people just for the, for the fun of loving people, I guess? No, we, that's a part of it. Sure, that's great. But, but you know, it, it goes much deeper, and that is because God first loved us. 
God first loved us. He loved you before you were even born. He loved you before anybody else knew you. God loved you. And we know a long time ago, Jesus came. God sent his son, his one and only son. And he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. At the end of his ministry, after he had, had walked the streets of, of Jerusalem and all the surrounding countryside, and he had preached the good news and shared about who he was and about the Son of Man and the, God, the kingdom of God was here. The kingdom of God was on earth. The spiritual kingdom that Jesus would establish. And then he gave up his life and he died. But he tells us in John 3 about being born again. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. It's about letting people know that God loves them. Letting people know that God loves them so much, he, he doesn't want them to stay where they are. Because, you know, as much as we get wrapped up in our life and as much as we uh, get involved with all of the things going on in our own lives, let me tell you something. This ain't it. This is just a tiny piece. You ever thought about infinity? Any, any other math teachers in here besides Joetta? We've got a few others. How, how do you explain infinity to your students? You know, that's kind of a mind-boggling concept. What does it mean to go on forever? I had this conversation the other night with one the other day and one of the kids in the van was talking about digits and numbers and like, well, we've got 10 digits, but you can put them in any combination and it can go on forever. Try to explain that to an eight-year-old, right? <laughs> that concept of infinity. But, you know, when we know Jesus Christ, that means that we have an eternity with our heavenly Father. And, and that just blows our mind because our minds are as, as smart as we might think we are. <laughs> We're very limited compared to God and truly understanding the full nature of God. But just know that he loves us so much. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. You see, that's God's grace that extends to us. He extends that out through, through the love of Jesus Christ. He says, I love you and I want to, to bless you. I want to encourage you. But more importantly, I want you to be with me forever because we are his children we are his creation and that's how much he loves us he sent his son because the law just wasn't getting it it just wasn't working and he sent his son you know we've seen that billboard that says don't make me come down there again <laughs> right well that's what happened god said okay if you want a job done run done right you go do it yourself so he sent jesus his son god incarnate and he gave us the example that's what the good news. It's about sharing. You know, a lot of people, when we use this word uh, gospel, we, that word evangelize, does that word scare anybody? <clears throat> I mean, you can raise your hand. It's okay if it's, it's okay to admit it because, you know, it all starts with admitting, right? <clears throat> that word evangelize, and I think a lot of it has come because we, we've turned on the TV and we see these TV evangelists, right? And, and some of these guys are like, you're where in the world, what in the world are they talking about? Where, are they, where do they get these ideas, you know? And, and so sometimes we see these guys on TV, and it, it kind of scares us because the whole world thinks every evangelist is like that. So we use that term evangelism. Uh, that's what the image that maybe comes to a lot of people's mind. But, you know, it's, it's about the good news. It's about reaching out to others. It's about loving people and loving people with the good news of Jesus Christ to let them know who Jesus is and what he did. Today we're going to take a look at, at uh, part of chapter 8. Thank you. We're going to take a look at part of chapter 8 
4 uh, in, in the book of Acts. Now, last week we finished up uh, looking at some of chapter 4 and chapter 5, so we're jumping uh, a couple of chapters ahead. Now, um, in chapter 6, uh, we, we find out about the deacons. The first deacons are appointed. And then you move on ahead up in chapter 7, and we find that one of the deacons who is named Stephen is a very fiery young man, very bold, and he gives this speech, a, a very a painful speech for some of the church leaders. As a matter of fact, so painful uh, that, that he, he's basically leveling accusations against his accusers, and then, of course, they take him outside the city and stone him. That's how much they enjoyed his speech. Um, so... Uh, that was Stephen. But then we're also introduced here to a man by the name of Saul who would later become Paul because the deal is that um, Saul basically stood by and held everybody else's coats while they did the dirty work of stoning Stephen and, and stood on. But then we're introduced again to Saul and, and his uh, going around persecuting Christians. And so then we jump up to chapter 8 and, and uh, particularly we're going to talk today about a man by the name of Philip. Now this is Philip who is not one of the apostles that Jesus called, because one of those guys is named Philip. But this is another guy. This is uh, Philip, who is known as the, the deacon Philip, a young man. And um, so we're going to take a look. Let's go ahead and take a look at chapter 8, verses. pick up there with verse 26. If you have your Bible with you or in nice written form, or if you use the digital form, whatever, go ahead and take a look at that with us now. It will also be up here on the screen if you prefer so. We're going to take a look at, at chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, picking up with verse 26. Now, this is a lengthier passage, so bear with me. I know if you're like me, you don't always like to have sit there and have a bunch of people read a whole bunch to you, but hopefully you will you know, follow along and read with me. It says, beginning in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing." But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he would pass through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray with me. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that our hearts and minds are open now as you speak to us. And Father, I just pray that we would hear your word, that you would move among us, your spirit move among us in a very real and a very powerful way today. And that when we leave here this morning, that we remember your words, we remember the the importance of being on call, of being ready to share, 
and proclaiming the gospel truth. And Father, I just pray that you will open up our hearts so that we will feel empowered and renewed to share your good news. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. So here in this story, we find this man named Philip uh, who is filled with the Spirit and he's speaking boldly and, and he's obedient to God because now he accepts a call to go to this place in the desert because, you know, unknowingly, he's again going to be proclaiming the truths about Jesus. Now, I got a short story that I would like to share with you that's not a biblical story, but it's a pretty cool story. Now, again, this is one of those stories I found on the internet, so you think it's true. It sounds really cool. I hope it's true, but again, I did read on the internet, Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, never believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) So, take it with a grain of salt, I suppose, but we're going to suppose that this is a true story because I can see this kind of thing happening. Um, Maybe you've had something like this similar maybe happen to you. Um, In this story, the story basically talks about this young man who had been struggling with things. He was was a Christian, he was a believer, but he's been struggling with some things in his own life. And and he's beginning to have some doubts. Anyway, he was at a Bible study on Wednesday evening and and God, he felt like God was really speaking to him. And so he got in his car and before he drove off, he just said, you know, Lord, tonight we talked about you speaking to Samuel. You know, he said, do you still speak to people today? like that. He goes, you know, and if you'll speak to me, Lord, I'm going to try to obey. I really want to listen to what you're speaking. So, so Lord, if you'll speak to me, I'm, I'm going to try to do exactly what you call me to do. So, you know, on the way home, as he's driving along just his normal route, he hears this voice, like a voice, like someone speaking uh, from the back seat of his car, and it says, buy a gallon of milk. <laughs> So he, he slams on his brakes and he pulls over and he says, okay, uh, this is crazy, but if that's the Lord speaking to me, I did tell him I was going to try to obey and do what he told me to do. So he thought, well, okay, I'm going to turn down the street and then as soon as I find a spot, I'll, I'll you know, buy some milk. So he turns the corner and he sees this little convenience store. He stops, he gets out, he buys the milk. He figures, okay, I don't know why I'm doing this. But if nothing else, I guess I can use the milk later. So uh, anyway, he, he gets in his car, he takes off again. And, and then he hears this voice like, it says, turn down the street, turn down, turn right down the street. So he's like, okay, this seems really strange. So he turns, he kind of creeps down the street a little ways. And, and then he hears the voice say, stop. So he stops, he stops in front of this this little shotgun house, and it was dark, and it was late, and, and everybody, you know, it appears that the lights are off, and that probably everyone was, was asleep, and he's like, okay, God, is this, is this right? And he hears, it feels like this voice is saying, take the milk to that house. And he says, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, and again, he's, he's having doubts. He's thinking, is this really God talking? Am I just making this up? Am I just losing my mind? Um, so he sheepishly, he takes the milk, and he goes up, and he, he knocks on the door, and he, he's in that window on the door, so he can kind of look through, and everything's dark, but as he knocks on the door, he doesn't see anything. He knocks a little bit harder, and then he kind of sees a light through the, through the door, like a door down the hallway had opened, uh, and, and then he sees this man coming to the, to the front door, and so the man's kind of scared. There's a young man. He, he's kind of scared. He's kind of trembling, and uh, so the man opens the door, and he holds up that gallon of milk. He says, I know this may seem crazy, and I don't know why, but, but I felt like God told me to bring you 
this gallon of milk. And so this, this young man, you know, looks at him and, and he grabs the milk from, from this man and he runs back down the hall going, Mama, Mama, yo tengo leche, lo, yo tengo leche para el bebé. <laughs> Anybody know what that means besides Enid? <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, I've got milk for the baby. I've got milk for the baby. And so then this, then this woman, so the guy sitting there, because he doesn't know Spanish, the guy sitting there, he's like, ah, okay, I, I guess this was a good thing. And so then this woman comes back to the door, and, and she's carrying this little baby, and, and she's got tears just streaming down her face. And, and she begins to explain to this man in, in broken English, she said, we, we had no money to buy milk. And, and so we were praying. We prayed, and we asked God, to send an angel with some milk. She said, are you an angel? <laughs> and, and so he kind of explained what had happened. He explained his, his urge to bring their milk to the house. And, and before he left, he just opened up and he, he gave him like all the money he had in his wallet. And, um, and then he left and he praised God and he thanked God that, that God would use him in such a way. And, and that God still speaks today that very same way if we will just listen for his voice so my question is to you is do you believe that God speaks to us that way today and I don't know if any of you have ever had an experience like that I've uh, I have been something still not quite so dramatic with you know people speaking Spanish and running down hallways and things but uh, but but you know I've been places and I felt like God wanted me to stop and you know pull over and uh, and go to or go visit someone that I knew just kind of out of the blue and I've done that before and I never really understood why. Um, but it, it's about being obedient. It's about listening. What is God saying? What is God speaking to us? Anybody here ever had an experience like that? Carrying milk. Maybe some of you had. Maybe a couple of you had similar experiences where you feel like God is telling you to do something and maybe even something that like this young man, seems a little crazy, a little very much out of the ordinary. Well, in our story today, our story of Philip, again, we see someone who, kind of like this young man, heard God speak first through an angel and later through the Holy Spirit, and he followed so that he could be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus. Today, we want to take a look at four ingredients that help us to be successful at being the proclaimers that we're called to be. The first ingredient to be a successful proclaimer of the good news, I think the first ingredient that we need, that we take out of our story today, is a prepared sinner. Someone who God is working on, someone who God has brought into circumstances or or placed things in their path that they are beginning to think about God. They're getting to think about something other than themselves. And so in our story today, what we find is we find this Ethiopian, this court official who is in charge of the treasury, and and certainly he was a very important person, a VIP. So he had the authority of the queen of the Ethiopians herself, and and he was this trusted official of court. This this eunuch was a religious person, or seemed to be, because he had traveled all the way from his country in Africa. He'd gone up through Egypt, along the Mediterranean coast, up into Jerusalem, and along the way, he apparently is looking for something. He's seeking the one true God. Now, he may have tried some of the religions in Africa. He may have checked out the multiple gods of Egypt. 
he had gone right past the Canaanite gods of Philistia and Gaza. And then he went to Jerusalem, and he went there to worship. But the thing was, is even in Jerusalem, he still didn't find exactly what he was looking for. And so here he was returning, feeling that he had come up empty, still thirsty for the water of life. Somewhere along the way, either he had it or maybe he, he got this scroll in uh, Jerusalem while he was there and that he was reading it. But the Spirit of God had already been working on him, and then the Spirit sends Philip. Philip shows up, and the Ethiopian was ready, but he says that he was trying to read this passage and trying to understand what was going on here, but he needed someone to guide him. Guess what? God sent Philip to guide this Ethiopian. Again, he's a man of importance, he's a man of influence, but yet he's lost because he doesn't know the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't matter how important you are, how rich you are, how much money you have, how much property you have. It doesn't matter how great you think you are. You see, without Jesus Christ, we're missing the most important piece that we can ever obtain, and that is the saving grace knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. You know, there are a lot of people in life that you look around maybe and, and you see someone who it seems like they're blessed. It seems like they've got so much. They've, they've, maybe they they're, have some wealth. Maybe they've got some property. They've got some things that, that money can buy. But the problem is, is that so many people are still searching for something. And maybe that means they buy another car. Maybe that buy, means they buy another piece of property. Maybe that means they have some, some wonderful technology. But the thing is that they're never going to try and find true fulfillment until they meet God through Jesus Christ the Son. That's the only place that we will be fulfilled. Now, here's the thing. All those things may be nice, but none of it matters in the end. None of it matters in the end. You see, because when our life in this earth is over, guess what? None of us are taking any of it with them. I mean, I've got, I've got a couple of cool guitars, and I think, well, that'd be cool to take those with me. <laughs> but the reality is, is, you know, when heaven rolls around, my guess there's probably even better ones. That'd be my guess anyway. But, you know, none of those things are coming with us. None of those things are coming together when we leave. It, so it doesn't matter what we amass on this land, in this earth, in this time, because it's not going with us. We're only going to find that true fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And, and it might be that there are some other people out there who know Christ or have had a, a Christ experience, but they've been so occupied or preoccupied with their own personal life that they really haven't looked around to see all the people who are searching for God. I hope this morning that, that we are reminded that we need to make sure that we are looking around, that we're understanding our neighbors, we're understanding our friends, we're understanding of those people who are in our sphere of influence who are missing something because they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You see, people are everywhere. And yet it's the same Spirit who brought them to Jesus, who's trying to draw others to Him, but, but they don't know how to find Him. And, and like this Ethiopian, a lot of people just need someone to come along at the right place and the right time to be their guide and to kind of take them through the next steps. Are you willing to be that person? So many people out there that are looking, that are seeking, that are being prepared for the good news, but they just need somebody who will step up and chase down their chariot and tell them the truths of Jesus. So 
what do the people who pull up in their chariots to one hope find? Anybody see how many chariots we had in the parking lot today? Well, let's hope that when they pull up to one hope, they find love. They find kindness. They, they find a gentleness. And they find the gospel truth of Jesus Christ living in the embodiment of the people who are here. If people show up and they're searching, are they going to walk away here feeling fulfilled? Or are they searching and are they finding through the Word of God? Well, the next ingredient for successful proclamation of the gospel is we've got to have a prompt proclaimer. We got to somebody uh, be somebody who is going to be that guide. You know, Philip again. Philip's a layman. He's not been trained. He's not been to seminary. He's not had countless um, conferences that talk about how to evangelize or anything like that. And, and he was second generation leadership within the early church. But the thing about Philip is this: he was ready, he was open, and he was willing. He was accessible to what God was asking. He says, God, if you're going to ask me of this, I'm ready to do it. He said he wasn't too busy. Well, it's because he didn't have, uh, you know, he, he didn't have that new episode uh, to binge watch on Netflix. Because he didn't have a cell phone and had 37 people to text. Or he didn't have Snapchat records and strings to keep up, you know, that kind of stuff. He, he didn't have all those things that he had to do. He was just, you know, first century guy. So second generation leadership, he's not too busy, he's willing, he's ready, he's listening, and he's being willing. And you know, understand that, that just for us to be able to listen to what God is saying and be willing to be accessible, that's half the battle. Because it takes us to step up and say, God, I'm ready. God, I am, I am here for you. Speak to me, Lord. What do you need? Are you accessible? Are you accessible if God wants you to deliver a gallon of milk? You know, Philip had already been successfully ministering to the Samaritans. I mean, he had, God had sent him to Samaria. And if you understand anything about biblical history, Samaria was an interesting place. Because the Samaritans weren't full-on Gentiles, but they weren't all Jews either. See, the thing is that Samaritans, the Jews didn't like them. Uh, because there were mostly just Jews had intermarried with foreigners. So they had some Jewish lineage, but they had some Gentile lineage. And so they were just kind of mixed race, mixed breed, whatever you want to call it. You know, so that they were part Jew, part Gentile, and they just didn't, weren't really sure who they were. But I know the Jews didn't like them. And so that was a strange place for Philip, or seemed like a strange place for Philip to be called. But yet he went there and he began to preach because people know they needed something. And Philip came offering them what they needed. And so there was a little Samaritan revival going on. So much so that because, you know, Philip's like this young guy. He's kind of, again, kind of wet behind the weird ears preacher. And, and, and so the, the apostles down in Jerusalem, they hear about all the great things that are going on in Samaria. They're like, what in the world's going on up there? I said, well, somebody better go up there and make sure that uh, he's following all the protocols, right? That he's doing things right. And so Peter and John become that fact-finding, you know, uh, group that the send up there, that, that search unit that goes up to Samaria, and, and they began to make sure that this was real and 
they got excited when they got there because the Samaritans were coming to know Jesus Christ and they prayed for the Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and now, Samarians, you know, they're coming to know Jesus Christ in droves. Well, there's this wonderful, wonderful thing that is happening and that is the Holy Spirit is moving among them. So Philip is doing exactly what God had called him to do and lives are being changed everywhere. So with all the success of this Samaritan revival that's taking place, now God says, guess what, Philip? I'm, things are going great here, but they're going so great. Guess what? Now I want you to go out in the desert. Can you imagine his thought? Wait a second. You know, I got it good here. People like me. You know, I, things are happening. I'm being successful. Your, your word's being proclaimed. People are coming to know Jesus. They, they, things are good here. And now you want me to go down the road and go out in the desert? That doesn't sound like a fun thing. So it probably didn't make a lot of sense. But Philip, being Philip, said, Okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'm ready and I'm willing. So he heads south down the, res- down the desert road. And while he is walking along the road, he finds this Samaritan. You know, he says, I'm ready. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Think about that for a moment. Is that something that we can say with confidence? Can we say, God, I'm ready. I'm willing to go wherever you send me. Can you say that with confidence? Now, the thing about it is, God may not be wanting to send you down the desert road. God may just be wanting to send you next door. He may be wanting to send you across the street. He may be wanting to send you down the hall at work to another cubicle. Whatever it might be, are you willing to say, God, I'm ready to go wherever it is that you want me to go. I'm ready. Send me. Well, that's how it went for Philip. He was a prompt proclaimer. He was ready, and he was ready to go wherever God would send him. Now, the third ingredient then for successful proclamation of the gospel is pertinent Scripture. Well, all Scripture is God-breathed, right? Uh, we believe in God's Word, but the thing is, is that God is, as God is preparing people, it just will be, I think, that there is a certain passage, there's a certain Scripture that will resonate with someone, and God may have already placed that in their path. He, they, he might have already led them to it. Now, I want you to know that, that when I talk about these four ingredients, this isn't the only way that people come to know Jesus Christ, but I'm telling you that these are ways that we... Uh, things that we can think about and things that we need to be ready for in proclaiming the gospel. You've probably heard a story. Anybody know about the Gideon Bibles, right? If you've been in a hotel, you've been somewhere, you've, you've seen the Gideon Bibles. Anybody here ever been involved with the Gideons by chance? Uh, they do a great thing, and you know, as far as in placing Bibles. That, and you know, it used to be when I was growing up, they could go into schools, and I don't think they can do that now, but I remember when I was in the fourth grade, I got the little red New Testament from the Gideons. I think I still have that somewhere. And over the years, I accumulated a few more. I even have some in Russia, I have, and in Russian. I have some in Spanish. Um, so it's kind of cool that I've accumulated some over the years. And, and, and they were color-coded, and certain colors went to certain places. You know, red was the one going in schools, and I think green was going in hospitals, and the one that was camo was going to armed, armed forces, you know, those kind of things. Um, but hotels, a lot of hotels, you can still find a Gideon Bible. So there are a lot of great stories about Gideon Bibles that have been replaced, and, and I've heard wonderful stories from Gideon speakers about people coming to know Jesus Christ because they end up in a whole true hotel room, and they're lonely, and they're searching, again, like, 
like so many people, they have an emptiness. And they find this Bible and they just start reading it and, and they come to know Christ simply by reading the Bible. And yes, God does work that way. So, so don't think that this is the only way. But I'm saying that many times what we'll find is that God has already placed Scripture in someone's path. And it might be through a Gideon Bible. It might be through something else that they saw, they heard, they read. Maybe it was a video from a certain pastor on uh, Facebook. Who knows? You never know. It might be anything that's beginning to plant a seed and prepare someone for this, uh, to find this pertinent scripture. So Philip comes along, he finds the chariot, and he finds that this, uh, this Ethiopian is reading from the book of Isaiah, specifically Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, which say, Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, and for, as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Now, think about it. If you read that passage, you just heard that passage, and knew nothing about Jesus, and knew nothing about who he was and what he had done as far as offering himself up in sacrifice, that lamb to the slaughter, that could be a bit confusing, right? But that's the passage for this Ethiopian that was pertinent. It's what he needed to hear. And so, when Philip comes along, he begins to talk. And, and of course, the, uh, uh, this Ethiopian, he asks the question, you know, who's, is this the prophet? Is this someone else? He's trying to understand. But it was the right passage about the right Savior, and it just needed a proclaimer or a guide. And then Philip shows up because he was accessible, because he was willing to do what the Lord had called him to do. So see, when the Holy Spirit is working in a life, God takes care of getting that pertinent Scripture to him. Do you believe that God can do that? Wow. Okay, let's try that again. Do you believe that God can do that? Mm. It's a little better. I was thinking, man, my work is cut out for me here. Uh, Yes, God can do what God chooses to do. And if God wants to drop something in someone's lap for them to take a look at, and they began to do it, then God is preparing them. He is getting them just the right thing. Now, there are all kinds of scriptures that we could be pertinent um, and it may be, sometimes it may be something of maybe a little more obscure, like this passage from Isaiah. Although, again, because we have the full Scripture, we've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if we know the story of Jesus, we can look back and see Isaiah 53 and know that that prophecy, that lamb to the slaughter, is exactly talking about the perfect Passover lamb that was Jesus Christ, who did what we could not do, because up until that time, the law is what existed, right? And, and in the law, sacrifices had to be made. At least annually, they were being made in, uh, in Jerusalem at the Passover sacrifice. And that's when the perfect spotless lamb was supposed to be chosen for the family and taken and offered uh, on behalf of the sins of the family. And so Jesus did what we could not do. And he became that one-time perfect sacrifice, the lamb of God, to do what we were not able to do ourselves. Paid the price. And the cool thing is, before the law had to happen every year. Jesus, the law, nope, it's done. Paid. Price is paid. It's covered. You don't have to go back and do it again. Jesus paid that price, that one perfect sacrifice. So how does Ethiopian know and understand? But now Philip shows up. He begins to explain. And the right scripture, the right savior, the right time, and the right proclaimer in Philip. 
You see, if we want to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that means we need to understand and trust that God has, as I said, already paved the way. He's already preparing. And if He calls you to something, He's not calling you to show up and fail. He's not calling you to show up and fail. He's preparing the way. Pertinent scripture, pertinent proclaimer, being obedient. What is God asking us to do? And then, of course, when we, with with scripture and proclaiming and all of these things coming together, now the end result then is personal salvation. You know, when Philip shows up, he begins with this pertinent scripture, this passage from Isaiah that proclaims Jesus. And then the Ethiopian, as he began to understand, he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. The Ethiopian had his own little revival. The Ethiopian got saved right there in the chariot. You see, the thing about it is, is that there are a lot of people just like this Ethiopian. They're right on the verge. They're right on the edge. Now, this man was important, a court official. He was confidant to the Queen Candace of Ethiopia, and he recognized that no matter what his place was and no matter how important he was, that it wasn't enough. So he'd already been seeking. He didn't find it in Jerusalem. He found it in the most unlikeliest of settings on this desert road headed back home. And he realized right then and there his need for Jesus, and he received personal salvation. You see, again, this wasn't about the law. This was about God's grace. Now, he probably found the law when he went to Jerusalem. But he recognized God's grace. He recognized his need for it. And that through that grace, he was saved. And that that grace, that grace of Jesus Christ fulfilled him in a way that nothing else could do. You see, it's the same for us. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. Without Jesus Christ, there is this God-shaped hole in all of us. And all of us. If we want to be filled, if we want to know true fulfillment, it only comes through Jesus Christ. You know, the the part of us that goes on forever, maybe you've heard this about this before, there's this thing within us that we refer to as our soul, the spirit. This is the part of us that continues on because this this fleshly part, this skin and bones, this this body, this tent that we live in, it's just that, it's, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. If you've been to a funeral... You've seen, you know, you understand. And you've probably heard some scriptures about that, that this is just a temporary dwelling place for us. But there's that part in us that is eternal. And you see, the thing about it is, is that most people simply ignore that. They don't think about that. They only think in terms of this life, right now, right here. Just curious, as I look around the room... Anybody here over the age? Let's see, how many of you here are over the age of 90? Anybody? I mean, it's okay to raise your hand. And maybe you didn't hear them because you, maybe you didn't, your hearing aid wasn't turned on, whatever. <laughs> Anybody over the age of 80? Who's over the age of 80? I know we got a couple. Right. So we have a couple over the age of 80. You know, the 80 years is quite a while, isn't it? I just, just heard this week, and you probably did too, but the actor Kirk Douglas. Remember that guy? Spartacus. I am Spartacus. You know, Kirk Douglas, 103. I had no idea. You know, you watch the old movies, they always, you know, the guy's 40 years old. He's 40 years old in your brain. 103 years old. Wouldn't you say 103 is a good long life? Way, way above the, the average age expectancy now, right? You know what 103 is compared to eternity? 
Think of the beach. Anybody ever been to the beach? I'm talking about the good beaches now. You know, those nice white sand beaches with crystal clear blue water, you know. And think about all the sand on the beach. You ever pick up sand and, you know, kind of, and then take a look at what the tiniest grain of sand looks like and how many grains of sand just are in a handful of sand? Or you ever build a sand castle and how many sands, uh, grains of sand are in that sand castle that you build? Tiniest of tiny. Now think about all the beaches in the world and how many grains of sand are on all the beaches in the world. Couldn't even begin to count, and yet that does not compare to infinity and eternity. Because that's a quantifiable number. You can't quantify eternity. It goes on and on and on. And so it's kind of like we went to the beach And we scooped up a handful of sand and said, this is what's important. This sand in my hand, forget about all of the other grains of sand, forget about all of the other grains of sand around the world, but I'm going to focus on this piece and forget about all that. Now, does that seem a bit ludicrous? Because your focus is so tiny, it's so complex, and I don't care if you do live to be 103 It's just that tiny little hand full of sand. But the greater truth is eternity goes on forever. So again, think of all the beaches and all the grains of sand, and yet we're focusing on this much. Why in the world would we do that? Now, we don't want to be so heavenly-minded. We're no earthly good. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? But... To forget about being heavenly-minded and focusing only on this handful of sand is ridiculous. You see, we need to think much bigger. We need to think in a much bigger picture. So for everything that's going on in our lives and all the things that we enjoy doing and all the difficulties that we face, they're minuscule, so tiny compared to eternity. So the decision of accepting Jesus Christ, the decision of making Him Lord and Savior, the decision of making certain that your soul will join together with your future full-time spiritual body for all eternity, a body that does not grow old, that does not get weak, that does not fall apart. You know, how many of you can say that uh, you're missing your youth? (laughs) You know, with all of the... uh, kung flu going around i heard there's another disease it's when you get to that certain point you get up and everything hurts and aches you've got that chinese disease called young no mo (laughs) oh you laugh now because you're young right (laughs) you just wait young no mo is coming for you too (laughs) you know we think about again it's this focus and, and yeah we can think gosh But think about taking all the way the hurts and the pains and all that stuff for all eternity. We have a spot. See, the other side of that coin is this, that part of us that is eternal, that spirit, that soul that dwells within us. We want to make sure that that we know Jesus Christ and that we live for him and that he will bless us for all eternity. A life with him, unimaginable. But the flip side of the coin is, is that that soul is going to continue on whether it's in the presence of God or not. 
You see, and that's the other side of it. We want to think about the presence of God. Hallelujah. We want to think about the goodness of God. Amen. Right. But the reality is without God, an eternity without God is an eternity in hell. And don't think for a moment that hell is not real. Jesus talks about hell just as much more than he talks about heaven. It's a very real thing. And you see, and I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just saying that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to understand that. We need to know that our security is in Him, that our future is with Him. But we need to understand the importance of letting other people know. Now, we can't make somebody come to Christ, but we need to know the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with all so that they too can know that eternity in heaven. It's so important that we are prepared, that we are obedient. And through grace, this Ethiopian eunuch was saved. Through grace, God can save you. Of course, the Ethiopian eunuch was not just in that moment he was saved. He was also obedient because they're going along. And he looks at him and says, hey, there's some water over there. What's to keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, come on in. The water's fine. Let's take care of it. And, and so they were obedient. And the, they stopped the chariot. They went down. And Philip baptized that eunuch right then and there. You see, the Ethiopian rejoiced. And, and Christian tradition, now this isn't from biblical, but there are stories around this eunuch that say what may have happened had he gone. And, and tra- Christian tradition tells us that this man's first convert as a follower of Jesus Christ was Queen Candace herself. And then when missionaries went to Ethiopia expecting to find a, a place devoid of God and devoid of the one true spirit, what they found was an already thriving church, traditionally because of this one man and his important place of bringing back the gospel truth to an entire nation. You see, the same Jesus who saves all who call upon him wants us to proclaim the good news to everyone. That means that we need to chase all the chariots that we can find. We need to go up and down life's highways looking for people who need Jesus. And, and yes, there may people who, be people who turn you down. There may be people who don't want to have anything to do with you because you proclaim to be this Christian and y'all are crazy and y'all are stupid and y'all don't know what you're talking about. None of that makes any sense. And know that that's okay. But the thing is, there are a lot of people out there that God has been preparing. He, he put the right pertinent scripture on them. They are prepared sinner and they're just waiting for the right proclaimer to show up so that they might find that personal salvation. There are a lot of people out there who are cruising out there. Their hearts are hungering and thirsting for God and they're hoping someday somebody will think that they're important enough to chase them down and bring them the milk of the gospel. So my question to you is this. Are you going to obey God? Are you going to listen? Are you going to follow the roads looking for those chariots filled with people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. First, of course, we need to make sure that we know the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I think that's where we need to start. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to say, I'm here to get up in your chariot. I'm here to tell you, that's exactly what I've been doing this morning. To be a proclaimer, we got to know what to proclaim. Jesus Christ wants a personal relationship with you. He is who he said he is, and he died so that you might live. 
But the good news is he got up and walked out of a grave. He did what none of us could do on our own. And he did it so that we can conquer death and the grave so that we can have an eternity with our heavenly Father. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted him and you would like to talk about that, you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, I'd love to speak to you this morning. Or maybe you're here this morning and you know that God has been speaking to you through this message and you've been reminded that, gosh, you know what? I've gotten so wrapped up on my handful of sand that I've forgotten about the world around me. It's time to think and see the bigger picture. It's time to say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will, to your way. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I am ready, God. Here I am. Send me, just like the prophet Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the good news of Jesus Christ is proclaimed to your friends, to your family, to those in your sphere of influence and beyond. God's at work. The Spirit is preparing hearts, prepared sinners. They're out there. Pertinent scripture, God's got it in place. It's on their table. It's on their phone. They're reading it. They're looking. Be that prompt proclaimer and see that person's salvation through. Personal salvation is not your choice. It's not my choice. It's their choice. That's how we know that we are being successful as a proclaimer. But don't let someone's lack of a decision slow you down. Sometimes, again, it's just planting seeds, and sometimes it's just preparing the way and moving on to the next one. Don't ever give up. Keep on trying because heaven is worth it, and someone's soul is more than worth it. Won't you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And Lord, I just pray if there be someone here who's never accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day. And Father, I pray that there's someone here that, that you've been reaching out to, that you've been calling, that, that you've been um, asking them to go and proclaim the good news to someone. Father, I pray that today will be the day their hearts are open and say, yes, yes, Lord, to you and, and to what you want. I'm going to be that prompt proclaimer for you and trust that you have already prepared the way. Lord, help us to, to not say no, to not push you aside, but to be prompt and obedient so that we might speak boldly about your good news and that we see the kingdom increase. Father, to your glory, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in the, we're going to play, a, a, this is some music in the background, just a, it's going to be an instrumental song, and we're going to play that. And, and during that time, I would just give you the opportunity to respond to what God has spoken to you today. If you'd like to talk to me about your personal decision of Jesus Christ, come on up here. Um, if you'd like to talk to me about something about how God is calling you, any decision that you might need to make this morning, maybe you just think, you know what, I just need some prayer, and, and, I'll, and, and I'm encouraging you to not do that alone. You see, one of the ways you can do that is you just get up from where you are. You just walk down here and just get on your knees before God. Now, yes, you can do that right where you are, but here's the thing. When you get up from where you are and you come down here and you get on your knees before God, guess what? Other people see that. And it's not about making a statement to other people because God wants to pray in, you know, pray in our prayer closets and, and not proclaim, hey, look at me, I'm a great prayer. But here's the thing. When you do that, other people see that and other people can pray for you. They don't have to know what's going on in your life. They don't have to know where you are. They don't have to know your struggles. They don't have to know anything. All they know is that you're on your knees before God and they want to support you and encourage you where you are. So I'm saying don't be afraid to make a public display that you love the Lord. It's part of being bold. It's part of being a proclaimer of the good news. So the next few minutes, while this music plays, if you'd like to come and respond, 
encourage you to do that today.